0: I've been watching this painting over here, and uh, that's really good. I I can see where you got the inspiration from the scripture I'm going to be reading, and I want to thank you for that, and I also appreciate it because it gives people something to do while I'm preaching. They can watch you paint. All right. You keep painting, I'm going to keep preaching, okay? I've got a passage of scripture that is the inspiration for this painting he's doing. It's Matthew 17, uh, verses 1 to 8 in the New International Version. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Led them up a high mountain to be by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then, just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking to Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. And if you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. But while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, This this is my son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And when the disciples heard this, they fell face down on the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. Now let's bow our heads for a prayer to God. Lord, I offer offer you this stumbling, stammering tongue that it may be used to proclaim your truth to these, my friends and your servants. I am weak, but you're strong. And just as you... uh, just as you exposed yourself to the disciples of old. So I pray you come by here, Lord. We may see you. We may hear you. We may be touched by you. So come, Lord Jesus, because we really need you. And we wait for you in the Spirit and with a hopefulness through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. <clears throat> it wasn't too long ago that my wife, Patty, and I were having coffee together uh, in, in our breakfast room. And Patty asked me a question. She said, you ever been to Mount Dora? And I said, yeah, why? <laughs> she said, well, I, I, I kind of want to go there. I said, what for? She said, well, I heard that a lot of... It's just a neat place and and i I'd like to go there sometime, so I sort of su- just shuffled that off to the side, but it wasn't long after that that the bishop's office called me, Alex Shanks, the assistant to the bishop, said we've got a problem up at Mount Dora <laughs> <laughs> and I wonder if you could become the interim pastor of Mount Dora. So Patty and I packed up, and I became the pastor, interim pastor, at Mount Dora Methodist Church. Well, now, let me tell you a little bit about Mount Dora, guys. If your wife wants to go to Mount Dora, don't take her. (laughs) Because it's full of antique stores, and it's very expensive. But it does have some pretty neat little places to eat, some good places to eat. And... Got a lot of cutesy shops, you know what I mean? But cutesy shops. And, uh, it, it, it's really a pleasant place to be, I guess, but watch out for your money. <laughs> but in that cutesy, in those cutesy shops, invariably you will see a bumper sticker. And the bumper sticker proudly proclaims, I climbed Mount Dora. Well, now I've got to tell you something. That's really not much of an achievement to climb Mount Dora. Mount Dora is hardly a mountain. It's more like a speed bump on the flat land of Florida. <laughs> but our scripture lesson for this morning is about a mountain. Jesus takes Peter and James and John up a mountain. Now, I love the mountains. I, get, I have to go to the mountains every once in a while myself. Because down here in the flat land, I just can't see as well. I like to go and stand on the mountaintop and look off into the distance and sense the majesticness of God. To be aware of His creativeness. And I'm inspired by it. I can see so much better the glory of God in His creation. In the mountains. It's no wonder the psalmist said. Uh, that I will lift up mine eyes into the hills. From whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. Yeah. I need to go to the mountains. Because down here in the flatland, I just don't sense that as much. But I also need to go to the mountains. Because you see really what I think is. This is a spiritual mountain. And I need to go to the mountain. I, I've been going to church instead of going to the mountain. And I need to go to the mountain instead of going to the church. I I, I need to go up to the mountain because up on the mountaintop, I can sense the majesticness of God, the mysteriousness of God. I can uh, I, I can see almost the miracle. Of God, there. It's in that scripture I just read with you just a minute ago. Jesus took Peter and James and John, and there he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, his clothes became as white as light. And just then, Moses and Elijah were talking with Jesus. There's something mysterious about that. There's something that is almost magical about that. And so I need to go to the mountain because it doesn't happen in church, but it happens on the mountain. So I need Jesus to take me to a mountain so that I can sense more of that uh, mysticalness even. And and it happens to me. When I go to the mountain, when I go to church like it should be, I begin to sense the presence of, of the saints of my life that's what they did here, here who did they see Moses and elisha and Jesus? three incredibly uh, gifted people in the in the faith these were the, these were the giants of of the faith and when I go to when I go to the mountain, I begin to remember the giants in my own life the the people that took me to the mountain. And I celebrate their memory when I when I go to the mountain. I remember my old bald headed preacher, P.M. Boyd, when I was a teenager, he held me close. The youth group, yes, but my preacher held me close. And he took me to the mountain so many times. He'd say, come on, right, let's go to the mountain. And we'd go up the mountain. And there was Dr. Paul Horton... Who's the great preacher over at Christ Church in Saint Petersburg, who brought me to Florida? He trusted me enough to be his associate pastor, and he took me to the mountain of life, took me to the mountain of faith. And 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 there was there was Warren Willis, uh, who was the youth director for the whole annual conference. I can still see him at at youth camp, singing those silly songs. how he, how he took us to the mountain, through through, through the through the youth camp, and then there have been those great spiritual giants. These were great giants. These were mountain men that he they were seeing. Just think about it. Moses was a mountain man. He'd gone up to Mount Sinai, and uh Elijah was a ma- mountain man. He went to Mount Carmel, and Jesus went to the Mount of Transfiguration. But he would eventually go to the mountain called calvary so they're mountain men and those people who've been mountain men i talked uh, you probably didn't hear this one but a couple of weeks ago i talked about angels in our life but in all of our lives there have been those giants those people who were who took us to some mountain in life i think about lay people uh, hazel haley ah she's a member of this church She walked to this church almost all of her life. She lived just down the street. And when the church was down on Kentucky Avenue, she had to walk a long way. She was delighted, she told me, when they moved up here. She didn't have to walk so far. If you didn't know Hazel Haley, I'm sorry. If you weren't a a student of hers, I was never a student of hers exactly. She just graded me. (laughs) She sat on the front row, and if the pulpit was up there, she sat this way. And if I made a grammatical error, she'd put her head up. I knew I'd done something wrong way to do that. She, she was a, a giant in so many people's lives. and She was a giant in my life. And when I go to the mountain, I sense their presence. And we should. When we go to the mountain, there's something mis- mysterious, yeah, something magical about it that calls us back to something like that. But then on the mountain, I need to go to the mountain, because on the mountain there is that magnificent introduction. It said a cloud. A cloud fell over the mountain. And they heard a loud voice. And he said, hey, it was God. And he said this, pointing to Jesus. It's the announcement, it's the birth announcement of Jesus to the disciples. This, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. And when I listen to Jesus, he tells me that I should introduce him to you. That that's one of my responsibilities, to introduce Jesus to you. Now, let me tell you who Jesus is to me. Jesus is my friend. He is a friend of mine. He walks with me even though I don't walk with Him. He never leaves me alone. You know what else He tells me? You are forgiven. He's been my Savior. He's forgiven me, not of some of my sin, but all of my sin. That's what this meal is all about. He's not only the giver of grace, an amazing grace it is, because I keep sinning. He keeps forgiving me. I I know this. I can't wear out His patience. I can't wear out His grace. I can't wear out His love. Let me tell you something else about Jesus. He loves you. He loves you unconditionally. And He loves me. And I learned that when I was a child in Sunday school. And I've never forgotten it. And he's never let me forget it. forget it. He tells me all the time, Riley, he knows my name. He knows your name. He says, Riley, I love you. And there's something wonderful about hearing him say that. i tell you what else he is. He's my comforter. When death has invaded my family and friends, he's been there. I lost my grandson. I lost my wife. He never left me. In fact, he carried me. He carried me through the shadowed valley, and I wasn't even aware that he was carrying me. I just knew I was making it somehow. And there's no other explanation. And what he's done for me and what he's been for me, that's what he'll be for you. Let me tell you, this is. My son, God said, in him I'm well pleased. Listen to him. I need to go to the mountain and be introduced to Jesus again. But I need to go to the mountain too because on the mountain are those exceptional experiences. And that's what happened. When the disciples heard this voice from the cloud, the Scripture says they fell flat on the ground. You ever done that? You ever been knocked flat on the ground? Sure you have. Sure you have. You know what it's like. You know what it's like to have the wind knocked out of your sails, to be knocked down on the ground, to be flat on your face? It happens in life. And if you've never been knocked down, knocked flat, it's going to happen. But look what happens in this experience when the disciples were knocked flat on the ground. They were terrified. I believe that's when Jesus comes the best and the most is when we've been knocked flat. He's there. And what does he do? He reaches out the scripture says he touched them look at all of the senses that are in this passage of scripture he touches them they speak he speaks to them he calls them and says don't be afraid and he says get up and then they do what jesus told them to do and the scripture says they could only see Jesus what a great moment that is they could only see Jesus that's a transforming moment in their own life those the songwriter captured that turn your eyes upon Jesus look full in his wonderful face and all the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light Of his glory and grace. It's a life changing moment. When all you see is Jesus. When you turn your eyes upon Jesus. But you can't stay on the mountain. You want to stay up there. It feels so good. It's comforting. That's what Simon Peter did. That's what he said. He said, hey Lord. I got an idea. Why don't we build three tabernacles? One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. I want you to notice something. No one responds to his suggestion. It dies for a lack of a second. That motion died because it wasn't even second. I don't think Jesus even paid a bit of attention to it. You know why? Because Jesus is not interested in monuments. He's interested in movements. And he knows that they have to come down from the mountain into the valley, down to the flatland where all of the pain and suffering is. Oftentimes when I move around in our nation, travel place to place, I see churches that have for sale signs in front of them. They've been boarded up, left, To ruin. And I've often wondered what went wrong. What went wrong? I think I know. They were a monument and never became a movement. I don't want that to happen here. I don't want that to happen in any church, but particularly here. This church is a movement, not a monument. We go to the mountain, but we come down because there's so much to do in the flatland. There's grief, there's sorrow, there's brokenness, there's hunger, there's nakedness. There are people locked in all kinds of prisons. We've been to the mountain. We know who holds the key to every prison, we know who can heal. We know who can deliver. We're willing to feed the hungry and clothe the naked because we've been to the mountain. We've got to keep on going to the flat land till every knee shall bow and every lip confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Oh yeah. Jesus took the disciples to the mountain but they didn't stay there because they came down we know about the mountain. And we can share the mountain everywhere we go. That's what we're called to do. And that's what we shall do. And that's the truth. Amen. Amen. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you for being here. Now may the blessings of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you. Abide with you. And keep you in his peace, grace, and favor. Now and forever and forever and forevermore. Go to the mountain. Or go down to the flat land. And go in peace and share the glory of God with everyone. In Jesus' name, amen.